politics, pop culture, and a whole bunch of other things that start with the letter P. The Mark Harvard Podcast. Who knew that optimism could sound so sarcastic? Hey, 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 welcome in to the Mark Harvard Podcast. I'm the aforementioned Mark, and uh, we're actually out on location this week. I get, I get fussy if, I'm, if I get stuck in the studio too much. So as a throwback to my old radio days, I like getting out. I like getting out places, and, and we're coming to you this week from Main Street Italian Bistro. This place is in the heart of Springville, Alabama. It's right there by um, by a, a big courtyard. It's right off Main Street, across the street from the Methodist Church in Springville. And the food here is outstanding. This place actually catered my wedding. And uh, um, Scott Cole and the gang, they do a fantastic job here. And they've pretty much opened arms, welcome us in to come and do the podcast here this evening. So I say all this to say that if we are are streaming this live out on Podbean, if you're listening on Podbean and you're in the in the Springville area, come on down. And if you're listening to this after the fact, maybe over on any of the other streaming platforms, well, I invite you to uh, go ahead and uh, go on down there anyway. <laughs> I may not be there, but the food is, and the food is amazing. Um, the pesto bread appetizer, I have, I've eaten an entire uh, plate of it myself, and I that was a mistake, uh, just because I was so full, but the uh, the, uh, the, the the seafood um, ravioli is fantastic, the seafood lasagna is amazing, and all kinds of desserts they've got here, they have beignets, if you're looking for a good beignet place, this is where you need to come, it's Main Street Italian Bistro, right here in the heart of beautiful Springville, Alabama. And, uh, yeah, come on out. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. So, I know we've got uh, a couple people actually listening live right now over on Podbean. Thank you for uh, for joining us here. And feel free to leave a comment there. We'd love to love to hear what you've got to say about any of the things we talk about tonight. We've got some cool stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about Facebook's growing um, targeting of of the church and how they've actually set their sights on the on on becoming more of a church platform. Also, we're going to talk about um, the way that Oreo has become a little sneakier when it comes to helping parents hide snacks from kids. And first off, I found this article about uh, about Walmart. Now, here's the thing. Now, since since COVID ended, since uh, you know, and I know we're ramping back up a little bit, seems like, but since the initial quarantine ended. And we had all the benefits that came home to people. Um, it's been almost a, a game of occupational chicken when it came to um, to dealing with uh, getting a workforce to go back to work because you ended up with with uh, people wanting to pay what they were paying before COVID, and it didn't match up to what people were making off of their COVID benefits. And now those benefits have ended, but people are used to making more. And it became this big back and forth. Uh, and almost, like I said, a, a game of occupational chicken where people ended up saying, well, you can't have a business without us here to work here. And then you had owners saying, well, you don't have a job if I don't have a business. So yeah, who's going to give first? What it came down to is that I mean, that owners are going to have to be more creative when it comes to payment of people, it's not just going to—it's not just going to have to be. Well, we're going to pay you this wage. You can't go back to paying that pre-COVID wage because people now have made more money while being at home. So you've got to make things more, more. I guess the pot has to be sweetened a little bit. And so I found this this from Walmart. Walmart 
for a long time they've had this program where employees got to be part of a uh, what they what they call like a live better you education program where they pay where employees pay a dollar a day fee for access to that program and through that the uh, uh, 1.5 million part-time and full-time Walmart and Sam's Club employees have been allowed to earn college degrees or learn trade skills without taking on additional debt uh, outside of that one dollar a day fee that they pay so that so they can pay well Walmart has has now said that they're gonna roll back that that fee so now it's 100% on Walmart there if you work there you have access to this program with a planned investment of nearly one billion dollars over the next five years, they say that they're going to announce. They're announcing. They're proud to announce that they're now going to pay 100% of college tuition and books for our associates seeking additional education, which is huge. Now, this is a program that I feel like we probably should have heard uh, about before. They've been doing this since 2018, but now with it being completely free for employees, I feel like this was an, a, an incredibly smart move when it came to uh, to Walmart and them trying to keep their workforce engaged. Now, there are a few details. The uh, the program is only for specific schools. Like, you can't go to the University of Alabama. You can't go uh, Auburn University or anything like that. But let me see. Some of the ones, uh, Johnson and Wales University was just added. The University of Arizona is, a, is a, one of the bigger names. University of Denver. Uh, Walmart already had partnerships with Brandman University, Penn Foster, Purdue, uh, Southern New Hampshire University, Wilmington University, and Boxy and Jed. So, you can get a trade school or learn a trade. You can go get a college degree as a part of your employment with Walmart. And that's not the only one. I saw I saw a tweet about a company uh, earlier today. They were talking about how uh, their company was going to start offering free house cleaning services for their employees as as just a part of the, as as part of their benefits package. Which and, and the whole aim there is to help people keep keep a good work slash home balance. So when you go home, your your time is actually your own time. So. Employees are really having to really be, be more creative when it comes to, to keeping their employees and getting their employees back. I mean, I'm still looking at places. I mean, you drive up and down Main Street here in, uh, in, 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 in Springville, and people end I mean, I mean, there are just openings everywhere. They need people to work. It's getting people to come back to work, and those mental levels have just been adjusted so much that just, hey, we'll pay you this amount of money for you to come and spend your time here for a lot of people that's just not going to cut it anymore so that's what that's what a lot of uh, owners are dealing with and that's that's something that we're ended up going to end up i think feeling for a, quite some time is seeing the repercussions before all of this shapes out and and here's an, here's an actually a uh, an example of where this goes completely bad uh dollar general you know there's one on like every corner you can throw i mean every dollar general is a stone's throw from another dollar general and part of that strategy was they were going to try to go up against walmart because what they weren't going to have in space and in options they were going to have in convenience right down the road so in temple texas a local dollar general is finally open again after they had to shut down this past monday when employees all quit all at once every employee in that store quit altogether. They left a sign on the door of the Dollar General saying the store was closed. It further stated that all employees quit because their manager did not treat them with respect. It's been amazing having awesome customers brighten our day at this job. However, we all quit 
quit in all capitals because our manager does not treat us with respect. Now, uh, KWTX spoke with a manager at the Dollar General who said she'd had a few disgruntled employees. Yeah, that might be an understatement, but okay. The manager said the employees who wrote the message on the sign closed the store had previously been coached on work ethic. The manager, So he's basically trying to say, well, they're all lazy. We tried to get them to work. Well, and part of that may be true. I also know that across the board, Dollar General has been understaffing their, their stores and putting way too many jobs on single employees. That's why you go into one and you wait at the counter for a while because that one employee is also the manager in the back filling out paperwork and restocking in the back of the store. So, yeah, and now hiring sign has been placed at the entrance of the Temple, Texas Dollar General. So there you go. Now, uh, that's now they're searching for new employees. Speaking of people that are missing, have you seen this story? This story is just a heart warmer. And this it comes out of uh, out of uh, out of China. Um, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name cuz I will mess it up. But uh, this guy's son was only two and a half years ago when he was kidnapped in China. Snatched away as practically a baby right outside their home. And the guy spent years desperately searching for his kid. Which, you know what? I would do exactly the same if someone came after my kid. So, yeah. It's one of those just just nightmare scenarios when your kid is, you know, this guy's kid was taken out of his front yard, broad daylight, and he vowed, he, I would, I'm never going to stop searching. DNA allowed police to, to match uh, the identity of the child, arrest the people behind the crime. After being taken, he was sold to another family who raised him reportedly well and put the son through college. Now, basically, when you think about over in China, you know, there's a lot of pressure on having a boy. And, you know, there's you can only have so many children. Everybody wants a son, so the, the family name goes on. So he was there, there's a trafficking industry there when it comes to male babies there so this family bought this guy's kid and raised him as their own so eventually it all turned out because this guy he, he was he would like drive he would drive on motorcycles all over mainland china looking for his son handed out flyers he slept under bridges when he couldn't afford a hotel he never gave up it's kind of almost, almost like he's Liam Neeson. He never, he never stopped looking. Um, his search even inspired a movie in China in 2015, which raised awareness of child trafficking in that country. He said that only on the road when I was looking for my son, that's the only place I felt like a father. He said I had no reason to stop, and it's impossible for me to stop. And they have now been reunited. Yeah. He traveled hundreds of thousand miles by motorcycle, longing to be reunited with his son, and it actually happened. I've actually put the story over on the Facebook page, and you can see the video of the reunion, and I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's like someone's cutting some onions around you when you're watching this thing, because it's, it's pretty tear-inducing. Amazing story. It's just, and just a, a story of perseverance there. He never gave up. And in the reunion, the mom, his mom is heard saying, my baby, you came back while his dad said, my kid has been found. The future is full of happiness. Man, he wore out 10 different motorcycles doing this. Wow, that's that's something else. So um, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about one of Facebook's newest plots that they're doing. They're going to try to, they're going to, try to actually um, embed themselves more in the religious community. Now, if you're a church communicator, which I am, you, um, you know that they've ended up having 
some, some accusations thrown around about censorship and throttling and they're going after us and and they're trying to shut us down and censor us and, and you know and all that um i've got some insight on that because i've actually talked to uh one of their employees about religious affairs and uh furthermore they actually plan on not stopping and on an, embedding themselves more in the religious community so we got all that coming up and a whole lot more stick around live from main street italian bistro in springville alabama it's the Mark Harvard Podcast. Stick around. The Mark Harvard Podcast. Guys, you know I love talking about all the folks I do business with. And let me tell you, I am thrilled to welcome Excalibur Service Company to the Mark Harvard Podcast. When we moved into our house last year, Ben and the gang came out and checked a bunch of things. And we have since used them for all kinds of electrical work and HVAC stuff that nobody wants me attempting. (laughs) That's who I trust my family to for HVAC and electrical work. And you should trust them as well. Go to ExcaliburService.com or call them at 205-718-8688. That's 205-718-8688. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. It's Excalibur Service Company. Summer's here and it is time to update that summer wardrobe with some merch from the Mark Harvard Podcast. Go to markharvardcreative.com right now and click the store link to go get t-shirts, polos, bags, and hats with the Mark Harvard Podcast logo on them. You can also pick up our famous Jesus Soundwave design featuring the audio soundwave of the name Jesus. All that and so much more found at markharvardcreative.com today. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at markharvardcreative.com. The Mark Harvard Podcast. We are back and we are live from the uh, Main Street Italian Bistro in Springville, Alabama. My name is Mark. It's the Mark Harvard Podcast. And I got to tell you, this place smells amazing. I, I'm starting to get the hints of the oregano, and I, I, hope, I really hope my clothes smell like that later. Yeah, it smells good. I'm just, I'm getting a, a look from one of the tables. It looks good. It sounds good. It smells good. Is that, what's that, seafood lasagna? That looks amazing. Good stuff. <laughs> So, I mentioned earlier before the break we were going to talk a little bit about uh, Facebook getting into the church industry. But uh, first, I want to start off with this new uh, news coming out of Instagram, a sister company of Facebook. They're going to be start defaulting accounts for new users under the age of 16 to private when they sign up. Because you have, you have to set your age. You have to say what well, you know, age, you know, you know, your gender, and all that. So they're now automatically going to default the accounts of users on its platform under the age of 16 to private during the initial account setup, meaning that only followers that a user accepts and approves will be able to see their photos, videos, and posts. Now, all that means is that underage kids are going to start saying that they're adults. That's really all that means. But at least they're trying. (laughs) That's really all, you know, that's a good shot, slugger. There you go. So I found this story. Uh, recently, they did an interview. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook did an interview with the New York Times, and it was pretty interesting. After a few years of exploring opportunities with faith communities around the world, they uh, are going to really try to double down on really going in with houses of worship. Now, I can tell you just from my own 
experience in, in you know, church communications. I'm the communications director at Clear Branch United Methodist Church in, in Trustville, Alabama. Uh, views are mine, not the churches. Um, but I can tell you that um, from, communi- from communications conventions I've been to, I've actually been around. I've heard her speak. A woman's name is, is Nona Rhodes, and she is the liaison for religious entities for Facebook. And she, I mean, she's got she's got a couple of books out. They're fantastic on developing online congregations and and all that. So they're making an effort to um, to, to to facilitate church and religious organizations in the Facebook ecosystem. And I got to tell you, they're set up really well for that. You can do groups, you can do small groups, you can video stream, you can all this other stuff. Their tools are set up on the surface in a really good way. Now, I can add on to that and say that we had some issues a little over a year ago with someone hacking into our, our, our church Facebook page. And we it, it took a few months. We finally got it back, and I got it back through their setup, their established support system that they had for churches. I tried going through like the general, hey, I've got a problem, and I got nowhere. But uh, I went through their Facebook for churches page and got almost immediate response. Within a couple of days, it was back. We had our page back. It was fantastic. So I say all that to, to, to kind of, I guess, help you get around the fact that, you know, you've got, the, you've got that evil old Facebook is, you know, Big Brother or uh, Telnet um, impression. And when I say they're hoping to shape the future of religion, there's that immediate jerk back because we shouldn't, you know, tech companies should not do that. It should only be churches. But it can be a tool so facebook is ramping up their move into the religious sphere in, in a major way and the new york times piece talks a lot about this and about the tensions that come from that uh, so as the piece puts it uh big tech and religion are converging far beyond simply moving services to the internet facebook is shaping the future of religious experiences itself as it has done for political and social life so they spoke they've been speaking with sam collier who is the pastor at hillsong church in atlanta and he said that he and facebook have been meeting for months working on a partnership that entailed things like exclusive service streaming rights and financial giving opportunities full details are kind of still kind of hazy since sawyer he kind of he signed this non-disclosure about the arrangement but he said it's clear that that facebook's involvement with the church is pretty aggressive they're teaching us and we teach them, he says. So together we're discovering what the future of the church could be on Facebook. So here's some of the things they talked about. Faith organizations and social media, they, they say, are a natural fit because fundamentally both are about connection, which I absolutely agree. Because the days of worrying about how many viewers you've got on Facebook, the days of worrying about how quickly, you know, you know how much you know, hits, how many likes you get, that's done. That's over with. Now... Success for a church on Facebook has nothing to do with how many views you get or how many likes you get. It's how many connections you make. It's you know it's not the vanity stuff. It's about the actual, real connection you make. How how I mean, streaming a service on a Sunday is bare bones, bare minimum. So you've got to worry about where do we you know how do we how do we go on beyond that? And Facebook is saying that they're going to try to help with that. So there are a lot of concerns out there. Privacy, big one. Since all social media companies sell private data, data, including Facebook, there are a lot of data breaches there. And there's also issues of money and ownership. The uh, Presbyterian Church signed on to become a faith partner. That's in quotes last year. 
contractually agreeing that they would have no ownership of any tools they helped develop. So meanwhile, the leaders of the Church of God in Christ are utilizing two Facebook tools, a feature where users can pay a monthly fee for exclusive perks, like a message from the bishop. Nah, that, that feels slimy. And, and a tool that allows people to watch watching the service online to donate in real time. That is tithing, and that's pretty cool. The article also notes that leaders decided against a third feature, which was advertisements during video streams, which they should have. That's, that's going to be bad. That, that's not great. Um, but being able to tithe during a stream, that's cool. Now, you can do that in a bunch of different ways. You know, there are a lot of tools out there. There's Tithely. There's, um, there's um, different, yeah, just, just a lot of different ones. There's PushPay. There's a lot of different companies out there that will do that sort of thing. But um, Facebook wants to be able to run it through Facebook Pay and where they say that they would take a very minimum uh, part of the transfer. Um, which they, all these tools take up take a part. They take a percentage because they have to keep lights on. So you've got that as, as a thing that, that they have to worry about. So what do you think? What do you think about, about Facebook being involved in the church and shaping? Do you think that's going to be – I feel like – I don't know that the Facebook ecosystem is, is exactly where that needs to happen. But I feel like some sort of platform – lends itself to this sort of thing. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of digital discipleship. I'm huge. That, I mean, I'm actually in seminary for that because I feel like, I mean, I mean that, that's where my calling is, is to online uh, congregations, helping people find uh, Christ through, through things like, like streaming and online Bible studies and that sort of thing. That's where, that's where my calling is. So when you look at something like a Facebook or even, you know, some of these other, their church, you know, churchonline.com has a platform that they do this sort of stuff with. It's not as elegant. It's not as easy to use, but it is, it is out there. There are other options out there. Um, this is where the kingdom is able to grow. The apostle Paul, I mean, he used the technology of his day to spread the gospel through, uh, you know, through letters. So what makes using the internet and social media different? I mean, you could say, well, there's a lot of bad things on the internet. There are a lot of bad things sent through letters. I'm just saying. So, oh, man. So what do you think about that? Leave a comment on that in, um, over in the, uh, over in the uh, comment section over on social media. You can also email me if you like. Uh, email me mark at markharvardcreative.com. Mark at markharvardcreative.com. Dot com. Um, speaking of ways to, to witness to folks, um, found this article over at relevantmagazine.com, and they, they assembled a list of the top four Bible-based movies that you may not have seen. And one of these is actually one of my favorites, actually. Um, four lesser-known Bible movies that are worth your time. They're all streaming out there. You can find them all. Uh, first one's called The Miracle Worker. It's from 1999. It's a claymation special. And they say it got more attention than it, it got. It got, it, got, it didn't get as much as attention as it should have gotten, is what it's saying. Uh, voice cast included Ralph Fiennes as Jesus, Emily Mortimer as Mary of Nazareth, William Hurt as Jarius, um, Richard E. Grant as John the Baptist. Um, yeah, they said the movie can still be found on streaming channels as well, as, and it's well worth the effort. Uh, there's one called The Gospel According to St. Matthew from 1964. And what's interesting about this one, it's, it's uh, from an Italian group and the whole script comes from the gospel the book of matthew 
and they and it's all acted out there. So it, the result is a genuine masterpiece. They say one of the, that year's best movies, proof that using the Bible as a script can actually make for spectacular cinema. The next one, one of my favorites. It's called The Last Days in the Desert, and Ewan McGregor's actually in this. I remember when they started teasing this, and I had no idea how it was going to turn out, and it ended up not being the movie I thought it was going to be. It ended up being better. So Ewan McGregor plays Jesus Christ, and it's this is during his wandering in the wilderness, his 40 days. He's wandering in the wilderness, and he, 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 he plays Jesus, but he also plays the devil in this. He plays both tempter and tempted, struggling with the will of God for a struggling family. He stumbles across in the wilderness. The result is, is, is it's not so much a Bible movie. It, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a hypothetical take on, on Jesus' 40 days of wandering in the desert. It's not, you know, it's not, it's, it, it's extra, extra scriptural. Um, less of a Bible movie, more than, uh, than a movie with some Bible characters in it. But it's pretty engaging, and it kind of gives you a sense of the struggle that took place in that. He, he plays both both Satan and Jesus in this because a lot of times Satan, you know, isn't like a specific person or a specific thing. Satan is that little voice in the back of your head that causes doubt, that causes conflict in you. So it's illustrated that way, and it comes up being pretty cool. And they're going to throw out the last one that I wholeheartedly disagree with, which is that Noah movie with uh, with Russell Crowe. That was awful. Rock Monsters. That's all I really need to, to leave with that. Um, once again, I'm here at, at Main Street Italian Bistro uh, here in Springfield, Alabama. Uh, the place is starting to fill up a little bit. We got some folks, but there's still a little bit of room if you want to come on down, have some have some pizza, have some pasta. Um, I'm looking up at the menu board. Let me take my glasses off here. Um, the baked chicken parmesan looked, looks good. Ooh, that does look good. Man, I may have to take a, a uh, vacation on my diet. <laughs> And for desserts, they've got you know, homemade New Orleans-style beignets, which are hard to find in Alabama. So I may have to try some of those, too. Uh, I did find this story, though. Apparently, Snickers salad is a, is, is a thing. Yeah, Snickers salad <laughs> is a thing. It's a, it's a candy bar salad, but it's healthy, right? Because it's a salad. A 5,000-calorie salad. It's often referred to as a dessert salad. Duh. It's easy to make and consists of vanilla pudding, green apples, Cool Whip, Caramel, and a heaping helping of Snickers candy bars. You put them all together, and you get a dessert salad. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a Southern thing puts this out. Apparently, this has been something that's been like an ongoing thing that I'm just now hearing about, and I feel like I've been let down by life because I'm just now hearing about this. So I don't I don't know what what, what to make of that, but I feel like that's something that will give you diabetes immediately. Gonna close with a story that's gonna upset my wife. Um, you know, a few people I know. Okay, backstory on this. Um, all my life, I've hated coffee. I've, over my over over the years, I have friends that have spent hundreds of dollars trying to get me to like coffee to the point where they're just frustrated because they're like, "Mark, that's basically just all whipped cream and chocolate powder and a little bit of coffee at the bottom." And I'm like, "I can still taste the coffee. I'm out." That's, that's, this is gross. I hate it. So, and, and every, and I guess every five or six years, I'll try it myself to see, because, you know, over, you, as you get older, your taste buds change. Um, not so much. I still, I still hate coffee. It's still the worst. I can't, but, but 
I have to I have to sympathize because I have so many friends who need that jolt in the morning. Every morning, my wife makes her coffee as she's going out out the door. Hold on to your checkbooks. Coffee prices are getting ready to surge to a six-year high as extreme cold threatens Brazil's crops. So, uh, yeah, f- uh, futures for Arabica beans jumped to $2.08 a pound on Tuesday, the highest level in New York since 2014. It's a second major weather shock to hit Brazil's coffee farms before the frost. Brazil suffered through a drought. So they're saying it's going to put coffee at a six-year ye- six high. Um, exasperating the price surge is the fact that the frost is the major, is the second major weather shock to hit farms in Brazil. And this is going to be something that traders are now spooked about. That Now the frost, they say it's going to harm the 2022 coffee harvest and have pushed the coffee futures up 30% in July. So if you're a coffee drinker, get ready. You're going to pay more for coffee. So, yeah, I'm just going to be over here drinking my Diet Mountain Dew. And enjoying my life. <laughs> Enjoy your dirt water, people. <laughs> so, um, once again, we're here. For, we're here doing the doing the Mark Harper podcast from Main Street Italian Bistro here in Springville, Alabama. Um, it's right here on the Main Street Main Drag in Springville. If you're in the area, if you're in the Birmingham area, this place is worth the drive. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. Uh, seafood lasagna, baked spaghetti, lasagna, uh, chicken alfredo, um, pepper, uh, pepperoni chips, which sounds amazing. I know their pesto bread is dangerous. Um, so many great stuff, and they give you so much food. You need to come out here. Try us out. It's worth the drive. It's right here on the main strip in, in Springville, right across from Springville United Methodist Church. It's Main Street Italian Bistro, and we thank them for having us out today. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, I'm about to wrap it up here, but I'm actually about to go get some dinner. So (laughs) I'll be here for a while if you're listening live. If you're not, you can come and hang out in the place that I once was. And I don't know, maybe they'll put a plaque up. They probably won't put a plaque up, but still, yay. Um, That about does it for me. I am out of here. I'll I'll talk to you on uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday night, on Friday morning. The new podcast drops, and I've got a good buddy of mine, Andrew McLean, is going to be on with me. Andrew, you may have heard him back from some of my radio days over at Superstation 101. You may hear him as um, a fill-in host over on Talk 99.5 in Birmingham, uh, talk995.com, or he's also the host of the Over the Line podcast. Uh, which you can find all over the place. He's uh, gonna. We're gonna talk about politics. We're gonna talk about uh, pop culture. He and I actually have a shared '90s Spotify list. <laughs> so maybe we'll talk about '90s music. I don't know. Uh, good stuff. That's gonna be dropping Friday morning. So be sure to join us for that. That about does it for me. I'm Mark Harvard. It's the Mark Harvard Podcast, and I'm out. Harvard Podcast.